The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Pride to Detroit podcast is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. It's the jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions. That's right. Righteous Felon Jerky and meat sticks are available to Lions players at the training facilities at Allen Park. Each two ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein and each stick has eight grams of protein. Trust me, if it's good enough for the Lions, it's going to be good enough for you too. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania, and they use locally sourced all-natural Black Angus beef, and they pride themselves on superior quality, revolutionary branding, and unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offerings. Go to RighteousFelon.com and use the promo code POD15 at checkout to get 15% off your order. That's promo code POD15 at RighteousFelon.com. We're back from the bye week. Welcome to the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Prideofdetroit.com. Pride of Detroit on Facebook. Pride of Detroit on Twitter. Did I leave with Facebook over Twitter? My God, I'm losing my touch. Uh, live right now on twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit. Right now is a Monday. We are back to the Monday just for just for one week only. Bye week. Next week we'll be back on next POD cast. We'll be back on Sunday to react to the Lions-Cowboys game. Uh, fingers crossed on that one, but... Hey, you know, we it was the bye week. We took it a little bit slow. I even took football a little bit slow, to be honest. I watched some of I, I think I, I'm thinking on average I might have ended up watching more baseball than football, to be honest, from this past week. And I know that's you going to old man. Yeah, I know. I fell asleep every time watching the football. I mean the baseball too. <laughs> which means that I'm turning my my grandfather would do that all the time. He just you'd go to turn the TV off and he just yell with his eyes closed, I'm watching that. <laughs> anyway, I, speaking of that, I'm Chris Perfett, your adequate host, multimedia editor of Pride of Detroit at Chris Perfett on Twitter. And with me, that other voice is Jeremy Reisman, the fearless leader, the producer of PrideofDetroit.com at Detroit Online. Jeremy, good evening. How was the buy? Red Zone is one of the greatest inventions of all time. That is true. Scott Hansen is a wonderful human being. He's great at his job and he, I mean, it would be a great product even if he wasn't, but he, 
he elevates what is already a fantastic product. And it's the best thing about the bye week because I can just sit there for seven hours and veg out. That's true. And as always, the third man, the man of the Friday Detroit POD cast, it's Ryan Matthews. Back is the motherfucking rock guy. What's up? Senior <clears throat> editor at Ryan underscore POD. How are we doing, buddy? Um, I'm, I'm doing all right. Doing okay. Hopefully we can get through this so I can watch the Red Wings, an actual team worth watching in Detroit. <laughs> what? You're not fired up for the Monday night for Monday night football? For the another appearance of the Denver Broncos? How many Russ? more primetime games are they are they gonna try to tell us that it's finally time for Russ so, to start cooking? There's a reason they call him Mr. Unlimited, because there is no limit to the <laughs> amount no of times you can put there's him no on. They they are on a they are on an England game in Wembley. They have a Sunday night football game coming up later this year against the Chiefs. I don't think that's going to get flexed. That's fine. Go ahead and have the Wembley game. Hardly anybody ever watches those anyways. And then they get they're one of those three games. that's on Christmas Day. Oh, good. Awesome. You have your holiday ruined. Oh, no. I I have no reason to watch football on Christmas Day. I have (laughs) actually now going on in my life. Yeah. Uh, real quick, some housekeeping before we dive right into it. There is no mailbag episode this week. Uh, Jeremy's taking care of some personal stuff. So we'll, uh, we'll, we will have first bite for you later this week, but no mailbag with Eric Schlitt. That will be back next week. Correct, Jeremy? That's right. Okay, cool. Awesome. That's the only real note for you, but let's swing right back into things. As we said, we had the bye week. We uh, took some time, enjoyed football. That was good. We enjoyed other things. We broadened our horizons. And no, not really. Okay. We just nah. rested our brain. <laughs> but now we have, we have pressed with a, with a broader problem, how to fix the Detroit lions coming out of the bye week uh, We've got a lot of research. We've got a lot of notes. Ryan has many ideas and these are just suggestions at this point. We've had a week to stew on this. We've had a week to cool down a little bit after the, the, uh, the vitriol that got into all of us that was a shutout game against the Patriots, but both sides of the ball are broken in very different ways. So I feel like Ryan, you wanted to lead the charge on this. Where are you starting? How do you fix the offense? Where do you fix on the defense? What do you want to see the lions? What are you hoping the lions worked on this bye week? Oh, wow. I'm so sorry that you're coming to me for answers. Cause I only have questions. <laughs> <laughs> um, questions are answers too. Yeah. Um, if you ever play Jeopardy. Yeah, I guess. I don't know if we want to start with the offense, because it seems like there's a lot less to fix, quote unquote, with the offense, just because it seems like, you know, it, it seemed like what happened in New England was less of the reality of the situation and more of I, I'm going to I'm going to venture out to say that it's probably an outlier. Um, yeah. I, I think that the Lions looked good against a, a Philly team that's clearly very good. Um, you know, they beat up on a Washington team that was bad and, you know, they, they were, you know, neck and neck with, with a Minnesota team that clearly is the front runner in the NFC North, um, after this week. So, you know, and, and they put up a bunch of points against the the Seahawks, which I mean, even 500, even Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray couldn't figure out a way to crack that defense. So I, I think that what the lions have done so far, um, up until the buy on offense has been good. How does it become sustainable though? How, how do they turn it from, okay, it looks good so far through this five, you know, 
four weeks, you know, th- throughout the New England game. But, you know, through the quarter pole of the season, it's looked pretty good. How how do you keep that going? And is the answer simply you need Amon Ross St. Brown to be healthy? You need DeAndre Swift to be healthy? I feel like, Jeremy, this is, especially for the offense, this is the kind of game where as you are trying to figure these things out too, you're going to be given a hell of a test because here comes – I'm not going to say the Dallas defense is awesome, but they do have Micah Parsons. They're pretty damn good. It was a wrecking ball. The entire defense, I would say, is pretty damn good. And I know the Eagles made a, made them look silly, at least in the first half of that game yesterday. But they also kind of they got back into that game, I think, because of their defense more than anything else on, on Sunday night. But, um, yeah, sustainability is, is a really interesting thing to bring up with Lions offense because I feel like that was kind of our, our – I mean, we didn't really have a lot of concerns with the offense, but our main question was like, okay, this offense is out of control good right now. How how sustainable is this? They've been running, you know, they've been ripping off 50-plus yard runs in every single game, which is clearly not sustainable. Um, and, and having, you know, leading, te- leading the league in explosive plays, is that going to cool down? And we we got at least part of that answer in New England, but at the same time, how much is, is the New England game the outlier? How much is, is the first four games the outlier? And I do think some of those explosive plays are going to die down. I, and, and we've already started to see it. Um, and so how how do you then maintain a good offense that continually generates first downs, continually, you know, does well in the red zone and things like that? And I think the biggest negative that that's maybe a sign that that's not going to happen is their short yardage play right now, which is not good. We saw that happen. We saw we saw what happens when it's not good when you go for it six times on fourth down and you convert none of them. So so let me ask you a question then, Jeremy. Do you think it's a matter of scheme or do you think it's a matter of personnel? Well, you'd have to think it's probably scheme or play calling, right? Because the strength of this team is their offensive line. Short yardage situation should not be an issue. Yet, when it comes to power success, which Football Outsiders um, defines as, I think, third or fourth and two or less, or, you know, you're in, you're at the two yard line or closer. The Lions rank 28th in success in those plays, specifically in running. And that, listen, I mean, there are a lot of reasons for that. Maybe, maybe the Lions are, are trying to be too cutesy. Maybe, you know, one of these Logan Stenberg makes a, an MA that gets him benched for the, the second half against the Patriots. There's a lot of things but it's not working right now. And I think that to me is my biggest concern with the offense. Everything else I'm feeling better about. Like we'll, we'll get Swift back soon. If not this week, Amonra is almost certainly going to play this week. At some point we're getting JMO back. They're going to be okay there. It's the short yardage stuff that will kill you though, because this is a team that likes to run the ball, which means you're going to get into a lot of third and shorts. If you're running on first down, you're running on second down. Well, I mean, you're, you're essentially saying like, okay, let's let's get into a nice third and two and, and see what we can do. This team just hasn't been good there. And if they if they continue to not be good there, then I think you're going to continue to see their offensive rankings slide down. You know, they're, they're still third in, in points scored per game, but you're going to continue to see that slow down if, if they can't figure it out on, on third and fourth downs. And I think to Ryan's point, a lot of those converting third downs and fourth downs too is dependent upon – who's healthy for personnel because sure. that's slipped without Amon Ross St. Brown. That's slipped without DeAndre Swift. Like it, 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 it makes yourself a little less dynamic. It takes away two very big weapons and it leaves 
question marks to who Jared Goff is going to get the ball to. And like Jamal Williams has been great on the ground, but he's not, he's not someone you can really be forced into a bell cat into a, a feature back, which is kind of what he gets forced into when it's, when it's him number one on the depth chart for game day. And then what Reynolds behind him, like it's, it's just not sustainable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, The other name that, I'm not sure, Jeremy, if you mentioned this, but like how much of a difference will somebody like Jason Cabinda make in those situations? Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a good question. I, I I kind of I'm curious as to how they they, they absolutely love the guy. I and, feel like they're going to use him a ton, man. Yeah, I mean, you, I, I, I always kind of go back to that that quote about Josh Hill, right? Like how he was the door to the offense for the Saints for all that time. And yeah, it, it doesn't sound like they're going to get Cabinda back this week, but it probably won't be long um, after that. Uh, so yeah, that, that could certainly help. That's a good point. Um, the, the only other quibble I really have with the offense and it's admittedly a, a little petty is the early down runs. I'd like to see them get a little bit more aggressive. I'd like to see them instead of settle for a bunch of third and shorts. Why not just create a new set of downs on first and second down, be a little bit more aggressive. I know the running game is working a lot. I know you want to take a little bit of off of Jared Goff's shoulders, but you, I mean, you, you formulated this offense to take more shots downfield. And and I still feel like the Lions just, that's what they, they haven't unlocked that yet. They haven't found those deep shots that, that are necessary. And it's not that they haven't been taking them as much um, that they certainly have, but, you look at you look at Jared Goff's yards per attempt from this year to last year, and it's almost the same. It's not that different, which is kind of surprising to me. So it, it's the early down stuff. It, it's getting the ball a little more deep. And, and some of it is just connecting on stuff, right? Like him and DJ Chark, for whatever reason, haven't had it, you know, connecting into the regular season. We saw it a little bit during training camp. We saw it during the Ford Field scrimmage. It hasn't translated yet into gameplay. It probably will at some point. Um, I'm not, I'm not of belief that as long as he's healthy. Right. And that, that's the other key, right. Is, is him getting healthy. The other thing is the offensive line getting completely healthy and not even just the guys that, that aren't playing. Like, I don't know if the lines are going to buy tie back, but Frank Ragnow, I'm telling you, like when he walked up to the podium right before the bye week he did not look like a comfortable, comfortable man, just walking. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping that the extra week off will make him better because he hasn't really been himself so far. No, I think injuries have kind of plagued it a little bit. And obviously that's true at nearly every position on this team. It's what going back to the hard knocks line. So best you're going to feel all year. I think I, you, you mentioned a word that I know is going to come up again when we play over under reaction here in the next segment, Jeremy, about aggression. Yeah. And I, I'm curious how you feel about that on some of the play calling, because I think on one hand, the demands on the, on the plays has been, it's it it's almost feels like it's too aggressive on late downs, but not aggressive enough on on early downs. Yeah, and I think like that, that that has to even out at some point because I think the aggression on the late downs is what's getting people to criticize Dan Campbell's play calling more than anything. Especially, I'm I'm not saying it's the fourth down decisions. That's that's not what I'm saying. But like when you have a third and you just need one or two, you shouldn't be taking risks to huck it deep either. Yeah, no, I think I think that's a, a a pretty good point. Saying you know this team, like it's it's actually the the issue that I had with the, a lot of what Patricia did too is like he just he they it seems like 
Patricia, I mean, Patricia and Caldwell both loved third and seven for some reason. (laughs) Like they want to get into third and shorts rather than just be like, okay, how about we just avoid third down completely? Because yeah, that, we, we mean, can talk about third down efficiency all we want, but if if if, if, if that number is like small, that's a good thing because it doesn't mean you're in a lot of third down decisions. Right, right. And and listen, like I, I understand again the strength of this team is this running game right now. There, there's no question about that. But um but yeah, I, I and to be clear, I, I want to reiterate this as much as possible. I don't have a problem with Dan Campbell's aggression on, on third and fourth down. And I know that wasn't completely what you were talking about, but I, I think, and, and I know we're going to talk about that more later too, but yeah, yeah, I don't know. I just, I, and just kind of my overall point here. I want to also like this, this is very nitpicky with the offense. The offense is in a good spot right now. Right. And so why don't we, why don't we then turn it to the defense then? Yes. How much time do we have? Uh, we, well, I'll, <laughs> g- I'll give, I'll give us, I know we just chewed up too much of this talk about the offense, <laughs> which is nitpicky admittedly, but Ryan, we've got, I'd say we got about like six, seven minutes. We can, we can knock out most of the defense because I think some of this is not salvageable this year for the defense. So Ryan, where, where's your eye the most, I guess, on like what can be fixed up, what can be improved? Well, this seems like the side of the ball where getting players back from injury will be of the utmost importance. Um, just mm-hmm. because I mean, the, the, the dearth of talent, really started to show up before the bye week. Um, you know, it was, it was kind of, you know, it, it was, it was accentuated and it was really apparent in the Seahawks game. And then I think it just kind of blew wide open watching what Bailey Zappi and the Patriots did to them in, in, you know, uh, the week before the bye. So I guess, I guess my question is where do the lions need the most help? Like it, it almost seems like that, you know, that age old question that pro football focus keeps on arguing back and forth about like, you know, is it the pass rush that makes the back end work or is it the back end that makes the pass rush work? And I guess I want to know where do the lions need the most help in your opinion and, and what will help get this thing back on track? For me, it's a secondary secondary is kind of a mess right now because it, it's not only a mess right now, it's a mess for the future. Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know the answers anywhere. I don't, is, is Okuda going to be good enough to, to be a cornerback of this future? Who is cornerback too? It, cer- it certainly doesn't look like it's going to be Amani anymore. We we're talking about extending that guy a couple months ago. And now it's not a starter uh, safety. I, I guess you hope Tracy Walker and, and Kirby Joseph are your guys. I think that's one of the things maybe to look forward to in this last couple months of the season is like, okay, Kirby Joseph is get, is going to get a ton of playing time. Can he continue a, a pretty promising start? Um, but you're, you don't have your nickel figured out. You don't know what you're going to do with Jerry Jacobs. You, you seem to like Jerry Jacobs a lot. Is he going to be just a guy that you can plug in anywhere? Or is he going to actually contend for a starting job? Uh, I don't I don't have any answers. And unfortunately, I don't think there's any answers that are going to be solved, completely solved this season. Like, I think, I think going into the offseason, secondary has to be one of the biggest priorities, both at corner and, and at safety. I and, and for Chris, I don't want to turn this into because I don't know if we're going to get to this eventually, but I feel like there needs to be some talk about Brad Holmes at some point during our podcast today. There is. I think that we have that in over and under reaction about. Okay. Um, you, you can you can you can get into it a little bit here if you'd like. But well, well, I, yeah, I, I, I do I, have I, Lee, I do have on on the rundown for uh, for segment two, though. 
Yeah, if that's okay. where you're taking it. No, no, no. Let, let's let's save that. But I'll okay. go in a different direction. Where's the Fatu Melifanu? Like this guy's a third round draft pick. I know they they liked his length. They liked his physicality. They moved him from cornerback to safety. It seemed like oh he might be this like chess piece on defense that the Lions just want to like move around and and use in like situational matchups. But I I I guess. I guess that's just not really a question, but that's kind of like another, you know, thing to throw into the pot that Jeremy just said, like, as far as moving forward, what, what do the lions really have that they can say, all right, I feel really good about that moving forward um, in the secondary. So I guess I want to ask you, Chris, with the pass rush, so much pressure was generated in those first few weeks. Like the lions were near the top of the NFL and what they were able to do. Can the lions like, can the lions get back to that? Like, is that something that like is on Aaron Glenn because it's just the lions like blitzing a ton. Do you think that they can figure out a way to, to generate some pressure in, in the ways that other really good football teams like the bills and the 49ers do. I've been thinking about this because I feel like, I feel like there's been a lot of fan skepticism about the performance so far of, of um, Aiden Hutchinson which I get it. He's your second overall rookie and he's being measured up against other rookies who are playing well right now, including one take that next segment, I will break Jeremy's brain. I promise. But I also feel that especially looking at the defensive line, I look at what's going on in the interior tackles and I'm really not seeing a lot of help. So a lot of that pressure that's coming off the edge is just not really you you need your interior to help with you help make sure that that penetration matters at the end of the day. And I just don't see where that's really been coming from on this team, especially from, you know, McNeil or whoever's, whoever's playing on the inside. And I, I think it can be fixed up, but as always, it's, this, this is all a machine together, right? Like, on one hand, you you don't really have good good pass rush re- relies on also having linebacker help. You don't really have a lot of good linebacker lines. Don't really have a lot of linebackers to really help clean up. And you kind of still need your secondary because there's been a lot of time, especially in in the uh, in the Seahawks game, where it's like you can almost get to the quarterback, but then hey, someone's open. So I, I don't know, Unt- Jeremy. Untangling pass rush is always a dreaded beast. And I feel like it's the opposite problem. The lions have always had historically where they've got good coverage, but no, no good edge presence. And now it's almost the opposite, but because the edge can't clean up, they're going to be the ones getting a lot of the blame. And I think, and I mean, again, I, I think Aiden Hutchinson is fine right now. There's some parts of this game that can be cleaned up, but it's not like they're getting much help off the edges. Yeah. With, with the pass rush, I actually think they have the personnel. I, I yes. it's not ideal, but I think I think they have enough talent both on the interior and the exterior, especially once you get Josh Pascal and John Kaminsky back. Yeah, I don't like, think the interior is like is inferior personnel. They just haven't been playing well to start. Right, there. but and they're and you even ask the Lions coaches, they like what they see out of Aleem. They like what they see out of Isaiah Bugs, and and some most of that is in the run game. To be fair. But I think they like the guys they have on their interior, and, and this is with you know knowing that Levi's not going to play again this year. But you, you get Josh Pascal back, you you get um, John Kaminsky back, two guys who who I think that are, are going to be key interior pass rush, and then you you, you get 
Charles Harris and Aiden Hutchinson going. I don't I don't know what you do to get them going. It seems like the the idea Dan Campbell keep, keeps pushing is well we got to do more one-on-ones in practice. We got we got we got to develop these guys one-on-one pass rush moves. And listen, I've been saying that all year. Even when they were getting all those pressures in the first couple weeks of the season, they weren't winning a lot of one-on-ones. So I I understand the idea behind that, but you got to coach them up. And like for for as much praising as we've been giving a lot of this coaching staff, like I think we deserve to maybe point a little finger at Todd Wash and say, "Hey, what are you doing? These guys are better than than they've they've been showing. They they've got talent. We've seen them produce at varying levels. They need to be better." Yeah, and you mentioned you mentioned like with McNeil, it's just a lot of it's just being played kind of in the wrong way. Like you know, I think you need better you you need better better choices for who gets played in the pass rush versus who gets played. You know, those guys are great in run defense, but you need some better choices for the pass rush at the end of the day. So. Did we do it? Did we fix everything? Not yet. I think no, we got this. We got he... this car. We got this car at least road ready. Kind of. Yeah, we didn't. We didn't really even come close. I don't think, but no. um, I, I, I think the one other name that we, we should at least acknowledge because there was some like, I wouldn't say potentially big news, but it seems like things are trending in the right direction. Like maybe Romeo Aquara actually does come back this year. And, and I I don't know, like, I guess I've always kind of viewed him as being uh, obviously a really integral piece that they would love to have out on the field. But like, I think his presence makes it easier to push Pascal inside and push Aiden inside. And then all of a sudden, maybe we can, maybe we can see some things where the lions can generate pressure with, with four players. So yeah, but Dan, Dan Campbell certainly seemed to suggest today that the the, cl- the plan is very much for him to, to play again at some point in the season. But at the same time, it certainly doesn't feel like we're necessarily close. So we'll we'll look ahead to Dallas here later in the podcast for right now. We're going to take a quick break. We come back. I There's been some stuff we had to put a pin in because we have these for a game of over under. We love our game of over under and we love it. We're going to modify it to over under reaction. Because the takes never stopped in the bye week, and I'm kind of mad at some of you people for that. So we'll talk about that next on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. But first, we got to tell you about Righteous Felon Craft Jerky, the Pride of Detroit POD cast brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. It's the jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions. That's right. Righteous Felon Jerky and Meat Sticks are available to Lions players at the training facilities of Allen Park. They're munching on it all by week. They're, they're getting the cro- protein up, man. Got to eat that protein, fix the muscles, do what you got to do. Protein, protein, meat, 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 meat. Each two-ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein. Each stick, ha- <laughs> which I have called adult, uh, adult Slim Jims, they're good, has eight grams of protein. Trust me, if it's good enough for the Lions... It's got to be good enough for you too, right? Maybe? Yes? Yes. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania. They used locally sourced all-natural Black Angus beef, and they pride themselves on superior quality, revolutionary branding, and unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offering. I've converted half of my the guys in my other job to the turkey jerky at this point. They love it. Hell yeah. Uh, I just got news from one of our listeners who have bought some of the jerky that they finally tried the voodoo chili jerky that uh, the, the, the Carolina Reaper jerky that we have all chickened out on and not touched. Oh, I've touched it. Wait, that's not a weird. I've eaten it. <laughs> well, what was your, I, I, he, he's, he was scared. What were you? It, I mean, 
it 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 drew a tear or two, but it in in a way that was still very much enjoyable. Pain can be enjoyable to some people, Jeremy. I, we live it as Detroit Lions fans. <laughs> Why'd you got to do me like that? Anyway, so hey, we <laughs> guess guess what's better than than pain? You know what it is? It's a promo code. We've got a promo code for you. Fifteen percent off. These guys have really good prices on this jerky too. That's why we've all been ordering so much of it. So go to RighteousFelon.com. Here's your promo code, POD15. What does POD15 mean? It gets you 15% at discount at checkout. That's right. So RighteousFelon.com, promo code POD15. Get yourself some meat. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Uh, I almost feel like we need a theme at some point for over-unders because we played it so much. We It comes back every now and then. It's kind of like the Green Ranger or the Italian chef on Iron on the Japanese Iron Chef. Just appears randomly with massive fanfare. Uh, but this one is over-unders on reactions because even though the Lions didn't play this week, uh, Lions fans kept playing their, their game of just screaming about everything we tried to step back and we tried to at least calm ourselves and i think that we were however jeremy for our efforts to try to be to find the middle ground again we were immediately assaulted for that and i had to endure some very awful takes so we're going to address some of those takes right now and this is where we turn the bullets back on you guys a little bit but um, I think the first one we have for overreaction, underreaction here. Is this an overreaction by fans? Is this an underreaction? We'll get to a lot of those takes. The first one is, Jeremy, look how fast the, the New York Jets and the New York Giants turned things around. Don't tell me a rebuild needs more years than this. Look look how quickly those guys, those teams were able to get their, their, their up and running. They're doing good. They're playing good football right now, right? Right? They've got well, Brian Dable and and Sala, and they should be doing. They should be doing like that. <laughs> uh, well, here, first of all, I, I think I was on this podcast right after the Patriots game, saying like, why, why, like, I, I was in it. You know, I was you, you my... were you were in it. You were at, admittedly this was a Jeremy take in the moment. Yes, and I was like, it it's unfair. It sucks that we have to see these franchises do well. And to me. That was more of a, like, wouldn't it be nice to just at least have a moment in the sunshine, have a moment in the spotlight? And and maybe the Lions have had that here and there, but um, not, I think, to, to this level in, in, in quite some time. But when, when we decided we were going to talk about this topic, I decided I wanted to do a lot of research on it because it's interesting. And I think 
when you say like you just look at a team like oh they changed their coaches two years ago lines changed their coaches and gm two years ago like they're equal situations that's not how that works first of all you're inheriting different teams you're inheriting different players you're inheriting different contracts ryan dable and inha- inherited <clears throat> saquon barkley who's right now the best running back in the league sure but let, let, let me let me do a deep dive here like i'm sorry i'm gonna take the floor for a little bit here so okay you you do your, that i've got i've got one sub take to annoy you afterwards so go on sure. go on Okay, so there's three parts to this. The first part is, are the Jets and Giants actually good? Because we're six we're six games into the season, guys. It's not it's not time to declare anything about any franchise about turning around. Like, okay, wow, the rebuild is done. The Giants and Jets are for real. Pump the brakes. Let's see. Let Let's wait and find out because the Giants are 18th in DVOA. The Lions are 25th. To me, that's not that big of a difference. You're both below average teams that middle of the pack teams is, is basically 80% of the teams in the NFL is just like, they're okay. And I realize lines aren't necessarily there yet, but they're close. Jets are 15th. The jets have beaten the Browns Steelers dolphins with someone named Skylar Thompson. I don't know who that is. And to their credit, a good win against the Packers last week. They got Skylar Thompson is one of the players that Brad Holmes should have drafted. Okay. a lot of people so okay uh <laughs> they got boat raced is that the term i don't know who cares sure uh by the ravens and the Bengals. so against actual good teams they got schmurdered great giants kind of a decent resume but they've trailed in every single game they've trailed by two scores in three of their five wins that is not sustainable They've just been performing well at the end of games. They're winning a bunch of 50-50 games while a team like the Lions not winning their 50-50 to games. If if I may, because I know you wrote a great article today about, and maybe we'll get into it a little bit later, about how the Lions, we all looked at the Lions' strength of schedule for the start of the season. We thought yep. it was easy, and it's turned out it's not. Can yep. we talk about the, the first part of the Giants' schedule? Because these teams, this is not a resume that I would put in front of a recruiter right now of the teams the Giants have beat. Yeah, who, who t- tell me about their schedule. So a one-point win over the Tennessee Titans, which again, trailed in that. The Panthers, we've now learned, are just completely rudderless. They lost to the Cowboys, who have a pulse. Uh, they beat the Bears, who I'm still trying to get a pulse for the Bears, but my pulse is that it's, they're not good. They're horrible. They were an awful matchup for the Packers. The Packers have a like DVOA rates their run defense is one of the worst in the league and efficiency and Saquon Barkley could just gash them. And so, yeah, they had to come from behind again, but they beat them in England and then they beat the Ravens. So I guess that's kind of, I, I I'm still trying to figure out who the Ravens are this year. I'm getting a lot of conflicting reports. So, yeah, I, I think, I think it's fair to say that maybe these guys' resumes aren't as impressive as, as they may look and listen, you win games, you win games. You're, you are what your record are. Sure. Go with all those platitudes and and whatever. But we're talking about have like okay, this team this team has turned the corner. They're good now. I'm not convinced that either team is good right now. I'm a little bit more convinced of the Jets, which leads me to my second point. How did they build their teams? Well, the Jets entered this offseason with third most cap space, and you know what they did with it? They spent a shit ton of it. They signed Lakin Tomlinson to a three-year $41 million deal. They signed CJ Uzoma. Three years, twenty-four million. Tyler Conklin, three years, twenty-four million. Jacob Martin, three years, fifteen point five million. DJ Reed, three years, forty million. 
Jordan Whitehead, two years, 14 and a half million. Lions can't do that. Lions couldn't do that. So how, how do you quickly turn your team around? Yeah, you add a bunch of really good guys in free agency. But he, here's the problem with that. That's not what the Lions want to do. It, it's, it's not what they can do. It's none of those things. From the beginning, the Lions have said, we want to build this in a way for long-term success. We don't want to be a flash-in-the-pan team. We don't want to team, be a team that says, okay, how, can, how quickly can we turn this around and open that window for a couple of years? They want to be a team that builds through youth, builds through youth in the coaching staff so that you have an ability to overturn rosters when, when you're coaching rosters, when your guys eventually get plucked. It's all about development in the system, and that takes time. That is not what the Jets are doing right now. The Giants, on the other hand, are. They have one of the youngest rosters, too, just like the Lions do. They, they've they made similar moves in the draft. They, they've gotten their edge guy in, in Thibodeau. They've gotten their offensive tackle in Evan Neal. They've got they've they've tried to tackle their, their wide receiver situation with uh, Wandale Robinson and Kadarius Toney. Now, both those haven't really worked out. But and they've had a lot of swing and misses before. The, here's the thing for yeah. the Giants, too. Like, Dable inherited not a bad situation because, again, he had, I thought, an okay offensive line. And a, and a good run game. He had pieces to work with when he got to yeah. town. It wasn't a completely busted roster like Dan Campbell had. To me, Guys, their quarterback is Daniel Jones. <clears throat> I think they deserve a little more credit. Well, no, no, they, no, no. I will give them that credit. I will give them that credit. Daniel Jones is the anchor. Yes, and and Kadarius Tony might go down as as one of the worst draft picks they've ever made, and Kenny Galladay goes down as one of the worst free agent right. signings since since uh, uh, Albert Hainsworth. Alfred, sure. uh, yeah, so like granted, granted, but that's not what people are seeing. They just see Brian Dable coming in with some pieces like and and just immediately launching. My point is the Giants are very much built like the Lions. They are. They And in free agency, the, the strategy has been mostly the same. Yes, there was Kenny Gallaty. Yes, there was a Dory Jackson. They spent a lot of money on, but mostly one-year deals, develop young, a lot of draft picks. And I know the Jets had a lot of draft picks too, but they also completely spurged on free free agency and we'll see how that works one or two years down the line when those free agent deals don't look as nice as they maybe did in year one so you're saying this is a total overreaction i am i'm not chris i am not done giants great at running the ball horrible on defense 30th in dvoa in defense they are the exact same team the detroit lions are except they play well in the fourth quarter period that's it they also have a ton of injuries not quite as much as the lions Jets want to help his teams in the NFL. So the Giants are overperforming. But they're but the one thing I will say is if they're performing in the fourth quarter, if they're pulling out all of these victories, it does point to one thing. They're being better coached. And that's where I'll concede. I think the Giants are in terms of talent, in terms of how they're building, in terms of their future success, I think they're built a lot like the Lions, but right now they're being better coached. The Jets I have a lot of questions about. I don't I don't believe they're real. I think I think they are built more for short-term success. I think there are questions about their team building strategies. But I think yes, this is all an overreaction to 6 weeks of the NFL because listen, nothing is set in stone. We don't know anything about these teams. We like to think we do, but we won't for quite some time. And so everyone chill out. We don't and and that that's just the other thing like right it's I want to go back to to really the point that I think matters the most is like the Lions are trying to build long-term success. They're trying to be sustainable. 
They don't want to be a flash in the pan. They don't want one or two good seasons. And so how about before we claim, wow, the Jets and Giants are done with their rebuild. They fixed everything. Let's see how they are two years down the line, three years down the line. And I know I'm asking people, I'm, I'm asking lines to do Can't the one thing that they hate to do, which is wait and see, have patience. But I'm sorry, wait, see, have patience. Rebuilds take a while. Yeah, I think I think the key is that where I where I will call it an overreaction is that it's only been six games. Records change a lot. I was talking like we we don't have that many winning teams, and to be honest, like teams even even the best teams out there, even someone like the Philadelphia Eagles are on track usually by 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 historical standards to end up going about five hundred after this point in their season. Maybe a little bit better, maybe a little bit worse. It depends who they play. It depends the injury on injuries, a lot of things. I'm not going to say this is an overreaction, underreaction. Where I do jump off the bus is where I see people trying to approach me with the Lions should have drafted Sauce Gardner. Because Jeremy and I, I'm not I I know you wrote the the Lions should draft article on Sauce, but here's the thing. You know this as well as I do. You know exactly what this fan base would be doing. If for two out of the last three years, the Lions pick a cornerback in the top in the top five of the draft, it would be piss screaming out of every orifice. That's what they would be doing. So everyone wants to once again have 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 perfect hindsight saying they would take him. When I know for a fact they would have hated that, they would have screamed bloody murder if the Lions took a cornerback, even one as good as Sauce Gardner at that position. That's all I ask for is that I ask that you call out your own hypocrisy. That's all I'm asking for, because this is the most, it's the most insincere belief I've seen Lions fans hold since I've seen some people say that they would have drafted Justin Herbert or Tua Tonga Vailoa while Matthew Stafford was still on the roster. You're, you're, you're doing revisionist history for the Jets and Giants. I'm happy for their success. That's all I've really got. I'm not going to say it's an overreaction or underreaction. It's not only revisionist history, but it's an overreaction to six weeks of these guys' careers. Jesus, like, let's see how Aiden Hutchinson plays out. Let's see if Sauce Gardner can keep it up. Like, oh, my God. How many times do we have to go through this with every rookie class? Every year. I, I think important about both those teams, though, that we've just been talking about at length um, for the Jets and the Giants. The Jets are 14th in pass rush win rate. Uh, the Giants are not far behind at 16th. In pass rush win rate, do you know where the Lions are? Probably thirty first to thirty second. Thirty first, so you yeah. can look a little better than this. I'm not Fix taking anything rush. away from Sauce Gardner, but I'm saying like it's, it's getting a little help. It's a little, a little, little easier to play when you when you got some got some movement up front. Guys like Quinn and Williams. Let me let me kick this to you, Ryan. Um, I, I feel like. You know, I, I'll skip. I'll keep this one in the pocket. I want to go to the one that I know you want to do. So, Levion Zarike, we got the news today on Monday that he's out for the season for surgery. Some fans out there, not us, are starting to use the dreaded B word to discuss him, which I it, it, I find that disrespectful to a player's career. I understand people are frustrated. I understand people want to prognosticate and move on, and they're frustrated he haven't he hasn't seen the field, but. I think the more reasonable reaction we should be saying over or under to is fans are now saying Brad Holmes is taking way too many risks on players who have pre who have 
injuries coming into this league. He needs to be more, he needs to be not drafting guys like Levi. He needs to be doing more due diligence and getting healthy players. Is that an overreaction or an underreaction? I think it's an underreaction. I do. I think it's an underreaction because here's the thing. It's going to be his ass if it happens for a third year in a row, because do you know what isn't sustainable? Not doing anything with your draft picks. And I'm not, I'm not jumping to conclusions with Aiden. I'm not talking about, you know, was Penny Sewell the right pick or should they have gone in a different direction? I'm looking at the facts and the facts of the situation are Levi was a player that not only was Holmes interested in getting in the second round, he thought about moving up to get him, which sounds pretty familiar for a player that the Lions just moved up in the first round last year to, to get an injured player um, that has yet to play. No Josh Pascal. The two things that I think are the most frustrating and the things that you can't overlook is that the Lions knew full and well that Levi had a back problem and they knew full and well that, you know, Pascal had this sports hern- you know, sports uh, hernia that was going on with him. Pascal could come back and you know what? I think Pascal would take a lot of the heat off of Holmes if, you know, he comes in and he, he's a productive player. But I think that you have to be much more measured when it comes to making these decisions. I think maybe in year one, it made sense just because you're literally at the ground floor. You know that you have that, you know, the next two years with an extra first round draft pick, maybe you can swing. Maybe you can assuage me and you can say the same thing happened with JMO. You know, I like the JMO pick. I, I like, I like the aggressiveness of it, but I don't think it's an underreaction at all to say Brad Holmes needs to be more measured by drafting players who <laughs> Jeremy, what's my tagline? I'm Woody. You pull the string. <laughs> Biggest availability. Biggest ability. I, you you ruined it. it. You screwed I it up. It. The that's one thing. You had one There's a snake in my boots. That's, that, that, was, that's, <laughs> that was it. That was okay. it. There's, okay, a that snake in my, there's a snake in my boots, <laughs> and that snake is the injury bug. Uh, yeah, I, I I think it's, it's a slight overreaction because I think look, the Levi situation is a disaster. It sucks for Levi. It's a bad look for, for Holmes. It was a swing and a miss. And and you're right. Like they 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 clearly made a mistake. They should have done more due diligence. They should have thought about it a little bit harder with a back injury like that. But I think there's a really good chance that the three injured guys they took this year are going to be just fine. I think JMO has a really good chance to be fine. Josh Pascal, we're going to see very quickly whether that was fine. James Mitchell's a guy who who you didn't mention, but another injured guy that they took because they they're taking a long term view. It's risky. It is incredibly risky, especially when you're doing it with first and second round picks like it did with Pascal and JMO and <clears throat> and Levi. And I, I don't want to see them continue to do that. But let's like I, I hate to be a, a, a broken record here, but let's let's show a little bit of patience here and see. And I'm not talking with Levi. I'm I've been operating under the assumption. And I think we've said it plenty of times on here, like I don't expect anything out of Levi. I'm I, I don't think. I don't think it's realistic. He's ever going to play football again. It's certainly possible he doesn't. But I mean, Josh, in the grand scheme of things, if Josh Pascal turns out to be a really good player, are we going to really care that he missed the first six games of his rookie season? No. Are we going to care if JMO missed the first 10 games of the season and turns out to be an all pro? No. 
James Mitchell turns out to be a pretty darn good TE one or two. We can care that he missed practice in his first rookie season. No. So, I, I mean, I, I understand the hesitation. I understand the concern. Let's not go calling for, for Brad Holmes' head yet for this repetitive problem, which I don't think is necessarily a repetitive problem yet. And to be clear, like, I, I'm not doing that. Sure. Go ahead, Chris. No, I was going to say the only thing that makes me, like, not side with Ryan is I, I, I want to in that I want healthy players ultimately, but I, I don't know if it's just my selective thinking, but it feels like to me just every year, this seems to be an issue with the Lions in general when it comes to just health. Like, it just seems like injuries, every regime seems to just be this this plague that just hamstrings every Lions team I've ever known. Yeah, and I'm really not sure what to make team it. Does. I, 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 I know team every does team does, but at the same time, I know other teams where guys just come back from injuries so quickly or they're right as rain and the Lions just don't have that luck for whatever reason or another. Maybe. I mean, the 49ers have been a team that have been just decimated by injuries over the past few years. And they, I don't know, they keep on yeah, somehow just, you know, turning into the walking dead every season. They're, they're in it at the end. You know, they somehow make the playoffs, the Ravens, another team, you know, I mean, they dealt with a boatload of injuries last year. And if Lamar Jackson, the most important player on that team doesn't get hurt, they probably make the playoffs too. So like I, the the injury thing with me and the thing I understand, like I even want to address real quick, just like a comment, like from, from somebody in chat, like saying like guys can be completely healthy and have careers cut short in the NFL. Like you can never predict health. It's not about predicting health. It's about knowing the situation you're getting into. Like I I'm drafting a player who has a back injury and it might not be too bad, but like Jeremy said, am I doing enough due diligence to figure out, could this back injury spark another back injury? Could it, could it worsen over time? If, because here's the clear thing about Levi, he clearly pushed off having the surgery for quite some time. Yeah. And finally made the decision to, to have the surgery. Just got the facts of the situation are like that. That's not how he wanted things to play out. Clearly, like surgery was not an optimal thing to do. So I don't know, like, you know, you know what you're getting into bed with when you draft a wide receiver who has a torn ACL like those maybe not so bad because we've seen like through sports medicine, like Chris, I mean, we talk about this all the time, but like an Achilles injury for Isaiah Thomas was the death sentence to his career in the early nineties. Yes. Now we have Jeff Okuda who's back on the field. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Things, things have changed, changed. Like, like like cam Akers, who uh, i mean he seems to be done but like he got a nice brief burst back in his career coming back very quickly but like david david yeah. ajabo is already back for the ravens <laughs> yeah like no that that's what i was thinking of when we were talking about lions versus other teams like the fact that i saw ajabo come back i'm just like god why can't the lions have something like that but, yeah uh, and and yeah so just just to, just to capitalize things like the 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 the, the one thing i guess i want to say is like I don't think you can go a third year into the draft and take some swings and misses like that Yeah, on, on, on players who have an injury history. All right. One last over under reaction as we uh, kind of get to the tail end of this year. And it's a simple one, but I, it's one that we've kind of hinted at a bit. And I think, I don't think we'll find this one as much of a no reaction, but Dan Campbell is just too aggressive. It's, it's too much of a bull chasing a flag, especially on fourth down decisions 
and just you know not like just how he's he's operating the team it's just too risky to do these things and it's taking the lions out of games so is it underreaction or overreaction jeremy let's kick it to you first it's an overreaction dan gamble's aggressiveness has kept the lions in more games than it has hurt the lions through through 22 games or whatever it's been i think that's an unequivocal fact he and 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 the the biggest mistake he's made while coach of the Detroit Lions was the one time he wasn't aggressive enough and decided to kick a field goal when he should have gone for it. Plain and simple. That's it. Like I have I have nothing else to say on the topic. I th- I think people are being ridiculous. Uh, I, I yeah. I said I had nothing else to say and then I was going to jump into something else. I'm, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> okay. All right. Um I I agree. Like there isn't much more to talk about when it comes to this, but I don't want to I don't want to really like rehash the conversation that we had with Chris Burke. But if we slightly modify this question of Dan Campbell's too aggressive to Dan Campbell rides the lightning like he runs way too hot and cold. In terms of the kinds of decisions he's making, not not the aggressiveness stuff, but, you Go know, good. Yes, like the instincts like. And I'm really not trying to turn this into a conversation of like, is there enough analytics in Dan Campbell's, you know, 20 ounce espresso that he drinks? Which but is like, I, yeah, no, go ahead, Chris. No, I, I, I just find that funny because again, from the national side of things, everyone has like hyper-focused on analytics as the devil. And it's, 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 it's invoked in this way that if you go for it on fourth down, suddenly you've got, a huffy Troy, a Troy Aikman on, on my football going and say, well, the analytics say this, and you can hear the sarcasm dripping off his voice. And then you'll have guys talking about uh, the Chargers coach. I, I keep forgetting his Brandon name. Brandon Staley. Brandon I, Staley. I, I don't know. dare you forget his name. <laughs> I just, I just happens, man. I keep wanting to say Arthur for some reason. Uh, Brandon Staley, like, I, I heard some guy being like, hey, if, if Raymond Staley believes in the analytics, well, he should stick to them all the time. You should always go for a fourth down. It's like, that's fucking stupid. All right. That's, that's fucking stupid. And like the, the idea that you have to be a machine if you trust analytics altogether. But so I just find it funny that the guy who's going for it on fourth down for the Detroit Lions is seen as the opposite of that, that he's seen as a dumb dumb, that he's not using the analytics, even though the analytics, I hate that word now, but it, 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 the analytics are saying you should be going for it more on fourth down in a lot of these situations that he's going for it on fourth down. So I just, I, I just find that disconnect fascinating. I don't the, know. I don't know what I take away from it other than just it's bizarre world. The, the only, the only thing I, I'll, I'll say, and I think I've mentioned it on a podcast or two before is the only reason Dan Campbell is truly getting hammered for some of these decisions is because the team just absolutely crapped their pants after he made those decisions. He goes for it on fourth and nine and Jared Goff decides to to pretend he's Michael Vick and, and fumbles the ball and it gets returned for a touchdown. The Lions go for a 50 Ryan yard field goal and shanks it. And then the Lions give up a, a 60, 70 yard drive in 30 seconds to the Vikings. If the Lions just take care of their business on the field, we're not even talking about Dan Campbell's decision makings. And, and, and I think that's important to point out because listen, coaches make mistakes like this every single week, every single one of them. It, it's a meme to go onto Twitter and type in coaching decision and a team name. And it's a list of people bitching about their team. But when you're, but when it costs your team, the game, because your, your players blew it, 
your performance on the field blew it, that's when you're really going to hear the the people get rowdy about it. And so I think that's what's happening here. I don't think Dan Campbell is making more mistakes than the average coach. In fact, I think he's making more sound decisions than the average coach. It's just being blown out of proportion because the team is losing in such ridiculous ways after those decisions are made. How much of it too is also the old the old adage of like, oh well, you should trust your defense. Not this defense. I know, but you, you're always <laughs> going to hear that from a broadcaster or, right. or like or like a radio guy being like, you just got to trust your defense in that situation. That is a loser's the, argument every time. I'm sorry. And, that is, and that, is, that, is the raft of, that is the raft of someone who is looking backwards with perfect fucking hindsight. To me, it doesn't even make sense because both ways are trusting your defense because let's say you're going for it at midfield on fourth and two. You trust well, him with the short field, yeah. Yeah, you're, you're trusting saying like, hey, if, even if we don't convert this, we trust our defense not to give up a touchdown. If we punt the ball, hey, we're trusting our defense to win the game and not give up a field goal. Like, spin it, spin it whatever way you want. It's a little bit of trust in both ways. It's trusting your offense, which we all agree is the line's best asset right now to convert on fourth down. And it's also trust that, hey, even if we don't make this, hopefully our defense won't blow it up in our face. We're way overdue, so we're going to take a little few a few minutes at the end of this podcast here to talk about the upcoming Cowboys game. Maybe apply some of those fixes from from the first segment and see if the Lions can uh, utilize any of that. But uh, Lions might be catching the return of Dak Prescott at the worst possible time. Although, to be honest, I don't know. I, we'll, we'll see. This, this is a bad matchup for the Lions on paper, but... As we've seen from the first start of this uh, season, the first half, the first part of the season was supposed to be a good matchup for the Lions on paper. I don't know if we're in Bizarro World or what. Either way, we'll talk about it next on the Pride of Detroit PUD Cast. mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pride of Detroit POD cast wrapping up. Um, we went on an adventure during a break. As a reminder, if you don't watch us live on twitch.tv slash pride of Detroit, you can. You can catch some of the replays there available for a limited time. That what we just talked about will not go into a scraps episode. I refuse. Absolutely not. I, I think we're overdue for a scraps at some point, though. I just don't think people want a scraps when the team is one and three. The team is scraps. Oh, God. Jeez, man. <clears throat> well, we're caught up on reviews. Uh, so we are still looking for more reviews. We are the most reviewed Lions podcast out there. So please, if you stop by Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review, we will read your review, whatever you write, within reason. I really have to stress the reason part. We haven't had to ding anyone yet, but I always dread this every time we give the microphone to you to you people. 
So, but we've got a more important announcement to get to because uh, our biggest time of the year is coming up. And that's usually after people have started to get really annoyed with the lions. So <laughs> we keep the embers burning. And that, how is that Jeremy? It is that wonderful, magical time of the year. That's right. It's November. The hairs start to grow out a little bit. The uh, we, we we drag props out from our closets. We buy horrible, awful drinks and do things to our bodies. We get fun guests and we raise a lot of money for charity. Last year, we raised, what was it? Just over twenty thousand total. Twenty thousand, twenty thousand dollars split between the Prostate Cancer Fund and Rain. Rain. Yep. This year we still haven't we haven't picked out our charity. I think I know what I think Jeremy, you and I have had some conversation on what we want to do for like a category. We're just we're still figuring sh- out. We're we're yeah. shopping around right now. Yeah. But it's going to be coming very soon. So yeah, by all means, Jeremy, you you're, you're the king on this. Well, yeah, just uh, I mean, in case this is your first year listening to us or you weren't around last year for whatever reason, um we we spend the entire month trying to raise money. We we do it on our live streams, but there will be links all over the website. There'll be links, I'm sure, on on some of these podcasts that we we drop. And uh we try to make it really fun and really interactive for you guys to to make it uh to make your money worth it. Um, you can do things like, you know, in the past $20 would, would get you to write something on my face or $50 would, if you're part of the live podcast, $50, you can mute someone. You could say, Hey, Ryan's being an idiot. Mute him. I get muted a lot. I get (laughs) muted a lot. Um, those sort of things. And then also there are bigger goals so that if you guys collectively reach a goal last year, I I think our, our 20,000 thing was I dyed my mustache blue and silver. And I'm ar- I'm ar- I'm already going to say it on podcast so that I have to do it now. If we hit a certain amount, I haven't decided what that number is yet. I will dye my entire hair blue this year. And, and if then we you, have get- to do, you have to do it a soy jack face then too. You have to just be like, I open your mouth, that and it, that's that's that. It's exactly that face. It's in a visual medium. People <laughs> can look it up as the soy face. It's where you open your mouth very giddy, like ah, I'll do ah. it, whatever. And and if we get a number that that. I'm not sure if we'll be able to hit. I'll 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 put my own hair on the line. I'll I'll shave my head if we if we hit certain goals. So there's that. And then the other big part of it, of course, is that um we we raffle off prizes. So in the past, it's been every $20 that you donate basically reflects a a one raffle ticket. So if you donate a hundred dollars, it'd be five raffle tickets. Uh in the past, we've been able to get give away signed footballs, lions tickets, uh Pride of Detroit swag lion swag, all that sort of stuff. Um, we're still trying to organize and, and get a full list of all that sort of stuff. So check pride Detroit.com in the next coming weeks. We start November 1st. Um, we, we also occasionally, I don't know if we'll be able to do this this year, not um, interview lines players throughout the entire month. I'm still working on details there, but it's, it's a really fun week. Um, or month. We have guests regardless. We have plenty of guests, especially one thing we did last year. I know you want to do it again is the tw- I, was it a 24 hour stream you did? It was or? not a 24 hour stream. It well, was, it was it a marathon. Like we, we did a marathon. We, we yeah. do a marathon stream. And on that stream, we had, you know, we had some people to talk the draft there. Dan Miller, your vo- your radio voice of the Detroit, Detroit Lions, showed up. Uh, who else Dane showed Brugler. up? Dane Brugler. Dane Brugler showed up. Yep. Like, we, we, it's, it's a fun thing. We raise a lot of money on that. We also punish ourselves. As I said, we have the yes. wheel of pain, which Jeremy right. subjects himself to. I think last year, seven people each paid $200 and added something to a horrible mixed drink that I nearly vomited up, which included Malort, 
horseradish and um, some really fruity cocktail that I've still not gotten out of my my liquor cabinet yet. <laughs> it was awful. Um, but those are the kind of things that can happen. Yeah. And if you guys have ideas too, make sure you head over to our Discord page. If you if you want to know what our Discord page is, you can feel free to DM me or send me a tweet and, and I'll send you a link. But you should probably um, tweet it out again at some point too. Yeah. But yeah, there there's a uh a, a, a suggestions box section there. And if you have ideas of either things that we should give away or things that we should put on the line or ways to hurt ourselves, uh in in just for your amusement, uh head over there to our suggestion box and drop it in there. Raise money for good causes. That's right. Go Lions. All right. Let's, so uh, I think we've, we've uh, scuttlebutted this enough. Let's talk about the Dallas Cowboys. As if things weren't going to get bad enough for the Detroit Lions, news out today, Mike McCarthy. This is from Jory Epstein on Twitter, uh, senior NFL reporter for Yahoo Sports, uh, sent out this tweet today. Mike McCarthy just now on Cowboys quarterback Dak Prescott. The anticipation is for Dak to be cleared today or tomorrow, and then he'll return to practice on Wednesday. Now, I've never been one to believe in. I'm not one who was sitting here and believing that the Cooper Rush phenomenon was real. That said, however, I wasn't. I uh, I, I feel like the Lions maybe got in that regard a bad break by watching Cooper Rush kind of eat dirt a little bit on Sunday Night Football against the Eagles. And so, but on the other hand, I don't know what Dak is coming straight back right into his first game. Yeah. That's not the side of the ball I'm most concerned about, but it is, we'll get to that other side in a second, but you know, it, it, it could be spelled bad news for the lions if Dak Prescott's back healthy and throwing very well. Yeah. I mean, finger injuries are always a uh, kind of interesting. Sometimes you, you rush a guy back and, and you pay for it. I mean, we, we saw with, with Matthew Stafford a few times, like he wanted to play through some of those finger injuries and, and probably to his own detriment. And it's been what, five weeks for, for Dak since, you know, a surgery on his finger. You know, I've, I've had a fingers injuries and, and to, to be back at full health in five weeks seems crazy to me. Um, and it's worth noting in that opener, he wasn't very good. He completed less fit than 50% of his passes, 134 yards. I don't know what, what the, the Cowboys offense is going to look like. But I do know that they still are probably going to heavily lean on the the run game, and I think, and, and I, I feel like I keep saying this every week. I feel like the the relative strength of the Lions' defense and relative to its own team, because I don't think there is a strength on their defense, is the run defense. I think that's a little bit better than than their ability to stop the pass. So, I think matchup wise, it's it's okay. It's it's nothing's going to be ideal because your defense is bad. But I think it works more to your advantage than a team that would throw 300 yards every week. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. Like it, I, I think Dak question deck is just a big question mark. And so it's kind of hard to predict what the lines are going to see on Sunday, but in the same vein, like Dan Campbell went out today and said like, Hey, we're changing more things on defense. We're going to look different. We're going to be doing some different things. So I think both teams are kind of coming into that part of this matchup with an element of surprise. And uh, it should be interesting to see how it plays out. And I, I think you look at the Cowboys run offense, though, that might be the biggest concern that they have because, I mean, Dak isn't necessarily a fleet of foot guy, but neither was Geno Smith. You know what I mean? Like right. Dak can move. Um, and, and beyond that, I think Tony Pollard has been really good. 
I, I think that, you know, he's kind of supplanted Ezekiel Elliott as the guy who they really want, you know, shouldering the load in, in their backfield. So, yeah, it, I, I would agree that the Lions' run defense is their relative strength. Um, but even then, it's going to be put to the task against a, a, a good rushing team that's going to, yeah. And that brings the other side of the ball, which is the problem right now for the Detroit Lions, which is, I like this offensive line a lot, but this is going to be one of their strongest tests up there for pass protection is against like, that Dallas defense. Must see TV is Panay Sewell versus Micah Parsons for 60 minutes. It's going it, to like, I think that will truly have such an impact on who wins this football game, like that one matchup. And it's a matchup that like, I don't think a lot of times <clears throat> You, you look around the league and you say like, oh, it's the edge rusher versus the tackle. That's going to that's gonna decide the game. I think this is the one way, Chris, that they can win the football game is if they can neutralize Micah Parsons in a way that allows Detroit to like hang in there offensively, then they have a shot. If they don't, there's no shot. There's no yeah, chance. They, they need that shot in the arm on offense. They need to prove very quickly that like – they they their their offense got figured out by by New England. And New England's defense is fine, but I think Dallas is on paper. It's just a better defense. They've got better p- players at key positions to really mess up your your offensive flow, be it be it Parsons or or their backfield. I mean, I mean, or their coverage. I mean, like they they've they've got the pieces to really just really get in your guts. They they lead the league in sacks. They're averaging four per game, four sacks per game. They've had at least two in every single game. So as good as the Lions' offensive line is, Dallas is going to get to Jared Goff. They just are. They're they're that good. And so what is the, when he's what is the question? Yeah. What what does the question become then, Jeremy? Well, one will he hold on to the ball and and minimize the losses in each one of those because that's it's one thing he's very bad at is that when he's getting sacked he tends to make it the worst possible way. And and sometimes that means turning around and losing an extra four yards. Sometimes it means losing the ball and, and getting a return for a touchdown. But I think, I think the further question is how aggressive are the lines going to get on offense? Because when you get, when you take those sacks, let's say you take a sack on second down and it's third and, and 14, are you going to start going to that BS draw play and give up? Or are you going to, you're going to go for it? Are you, are you going to really try to convert? And part of that is going to, depend on, on on the health of the team. But I think this offense is going to have to turn up the aggressiveness like we were talking about in the first segment and be not just not just try to run this game out, not not just try to get yourself into third and shorts. And I know I know that's a good way to neutralize a pass rush, right? Like if you can run the ball a ton, if you can run by blitzes, if you can make it so that they drop a guy, you know, <clears throat> into the box and and maybe free up some coverage because listen, the the Cowboys are going to try to to pass rush with two safeties deep, like they're just going to try to get their front four to, to do the, all the work that they need to do. And yeah, I understand like the, the best way to change that is to have a successful run game. But at the same time, at some point you are going to either fall behind in this game or fall behind in the down and distance. And that's when you need to turn, turn up the aggressiveness. And I, that's one thing we really haven't seen the lines necessarily be able to do on a consistent basis yet. So um should be an interesting matchup there because it is strength for strength. Like you said, um, but I do have I do have my concerns. It's hard not to. It's hard not to. Dallas is playing very good football right now, which annoys me. 
And I don't like when Dallas plays good football. No. I don't think anyone does. No, it, it led me to, well, they didn't play good football last night, and I had to still listen to Michael Irvin on first take. And I say I had to, like I didn't have a choice. I was a fool. <laughs> I think that's really about it. We'll have more on first bite with our eventual Cowboys guest about this matchup. But uh, we've gone long in the first two segments, and I think we will just wrap it up there. We'll just wrap this on up because Ryan has gambling interest going on right now with Monday Night Football. Who, me? I think you must have him confused for that that BV. That, that mysterious. <laughs> you, mean DK, you mean DK King. DK yeah. King. Oh, God. Yeah, you're going to get me in like actual trouble. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone. Enjoy the week. Enjoy the football. Back here later this week for First Bite. We'll have post-game, as always. We'll have a POD cast. As always, we're back in the swing of things, and uh, we hope you'll be along for the ride. I know this hasn't been the start the Lions want, but we will continue to bring opinions, analysis, and we will continue to be your friends as we get you through another NFL season. So until next time, for myself, Chris Perfett, for Jeremy Reisman, for Ryan Matthews, we will see you starside. Pride to Detroit podcast is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. It's the jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions. That's right. Righteous Felon Jerky and meat sticks are available to Lions players at the training facilities at Allen Park. Each two ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein and each stick has eight grams of protein. Trust me, if it's good enough for the Lions, it's going to be good enough for you too. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania, and they use locally sourced all-natural Black Angus beef, and they pride themselves on superior quality, revolutionary branding, and unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offerings. Go to RighteousFelon.com and use the promo code POD15 at checkout to get 15% off your order. That's promo code POD15 at RighteousFelon.com.